0: In today's show, we're doing another ADP battle, this time with Zach Hanshu from Roto World, NBC Sports Edge, and Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode
1: of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.
0: Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed.
1: You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast. Part of
0: the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by. Basketball Monster, my name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com. And you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore b-ball and on Instagram at Locked Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Betonline is where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. You know what we're doing? We're doing an ADP battle, and this is one that I've been waiting for. It's been exciting for me scheduling this one in because there are some differing opinions that me and this guy have and i've already told you who it is It's zach hanshu zach i'm as i just forget to push up my screen zach welcome back to the show
1: what's up man thanks for having me i've uh I've kind of had this one circled on the calendar too, man. I've uh, I've heard all the Halliburton hate on your podcast. I've heard my name thrown around.
0: Oh yeah, every time you get thrown around, mate, you are you are the Halliburton guy. Even though there are others who have got him just as high as you, you are the one who I am. Uh, I'm focusing on because I really wanted to get this show going. Now, I, if I remember last year, I think last time that you were on, you, you had this background going where you had like the metal sheet, like you were um, Chuck from uh, Better Call Saul, where you're trying to block out uh, electromagnetic radiation. We're, we're all good now. You, you've got over that problem.
1: We're good. We actually uh, found out that there's this thing called drywall, and you can put it on, uh, you know, your unfinished basement, and it looks so much nicer. And uh, yeah, it's it's working out. I think.
0: Well, I hope that, that electromagnetic radiation didn't get into you too much over this time frame, and that's not what caused you to have Tyrese Halliburton as uh, as ranked ranked as highly as uh, you do now. I'll in general when we talk ADPs, a lot of the time I'll go, you don't have to draft the guy there. You, you can wait, but. In the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl, you were given pick two, randomly. I didn't. I didn't give you that pick for any reason other than it just happened randomly. So you were sitting there at pick two. Nikola Jokic went off the board at pick number one. You were sitting there at pick two, and you went, "You know what I'm doing? I am taking Tyrese Halliburton." So I know. I, I know which side you're picking. At pick two, I'm taking Giannis in every single situation, apart from a roto league. You're taking Tyrese Halliburton. All right, I'll give you a minute or two here. Lay out your case for why you're doing this.
1: All right, so, yes, I did take Halliburton at two, and I do have him ranked fourth in my Roto World Rankings this year. Uh, two spots behind Ryan Canals, by the way, who has him ranked second. Does yep. um, oh, Ryan have him at two low. as
0: well? Wow, okay. I knew Ryan had him top five, I yeah. now
1: he had him at two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, a lot of love over at NBC for Tyrese Halliburton. But anyway, uh, yeah, I took him at second. Uh, Obviously, I knew he wasn't coming back to me in a 12 team snake. Um, So part of obviously part of fantasy is getting your guy. So I wanted to have Halliburton. I wanted to come away and root for my guy. But this is not just me being a fanboy. I did lay out a big case for Halliburton. I wrote a 3000 word, I guess, uh, unabomber style manifesto <laughs> on the guy uh, i was just gonna say it's it, there,
0: there was a little bit of unabomber manifesto about it but you beat you beat me to it but that, that's fine we we can we all have things that we love and 3000 words is a fantastic uh article to go and read so go, I, I encourage
1: everyone want to go read that yeah i appreciate it man so for halliburton here's my thing with him is you know, he was top 25 player last year, top 65 yep. as a rookie. Yep. Obviously, he's progressing. Uh, to me, he he looks to have the Chris Paul trajectory. Uh, he's going to be a guy that doesn't necessarily need to have a usage rate of 30. Uh, he doesn't need to be chucking up shots, uh, you know, 20 shots a game. Uh, he is going to be a guy that's going to give you efficient shooting from the guard position, which is something that is highly valuable. Uh, He's going to give you an elite source of assists. I do have money on him to lead the league in assists this year. Uh, He's about the third best odds on most uh, sports books for any betters out there uh, behind Chris Paul. And I believe James Harden is who's ahead of him. Um, And the coaching staff in Indiana right now is talking him up as the next face of the franchise as a locked in, you know, 20 and 10 guy every night. And I don't think it's a, a far stretch for him to get there. So when he came to Indiana last year, 17 and a half points, 9.6 dimes, uh, 1.7 steals, uh, four, I think 4.3 rebounds. So the guy is putting up CP3 type of numbers in those you know 20 couple games in Indiana. And now that he's going to be the guy, the Pacers traded away Malcolm Brogdon for peanuts to Boston, which was great move by Boston and even better fantasy move for Indiana for Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, The team only has one guy who's ever actually averaged 20 points a game in Buddy Heald and those days for Buddy are long behind him. Um, This team does not feature a plethora of scores. This is going to be Halliburton's team and you know, a 20 and 10 season for him is wonderful, but you factor in the efficient shooting. Uh, you factor in uh, potentially a uh, small increase in rebounds. You factor in uh, he could potentially get to two steals. Uh, he averaged better than two point, yeah, 2.03s last year, uh, half a block, uh, which is for a guard that's not insignificant at all. Uh, so you factor in all of these numbers, and he can be the next Chris Paul. And he can also, he does have some shades of DeJounte Murray as far as he's not, I mean, he's not up to that rebounding caliber yet, but as far as his length and, you know, potential to disrupt passes and block shots, um, he could certainly put up some of those defensive numbers that we love to see uh, that propelled DeJounte Murray to new heights last year so uh, he has kind of those shades of both Chris Paul and DeJounte Murray that have proven to be so valuable and Chris Paul back in his heyday was a top five fantasy player for years and years on end so I think that's the way we're heading with Halliburton and I'm trying to get on that train a little bit early I think this is the year that he does it
0: I agree with a lot of that stuff. I have him comfortable as a first round guy, like, no problem whatsoever with that. Like, to me, you take him 11, 12, 13 in that range. I just think that at, at two, look, we haven't seen him take on a big usage role and be able to maintain efficiency or, or, and, or be able to maintain defensive stats. And his predecessor in Indiana was a high efficiency, high defensive stats guy who got pushed into a larger. Uh, offensive role in Malcolm Brogdon and then the shooting disappeared because all the focus was on him and the defensive stats disappeared and I'm not Halliburton is not going to drop in those things the way that Brogdon did I don't think but I don't think we can necessarily go out there and say, well, all it is is a matter of, well, everything stays the same and just usage goes up. Because there can be things that get offset in that scenario where with that efficiency, which we, you are banking on, hey, he's going to get good steals and he's going to be really efficient. And it's not going to affect his free throw attempts. Although, oh, sorry, free throw percentage. He doesn't really get to the line at all. But if that 48 or 49 shooting is 45 because he's taking three extra shots and he gets the Kemba Walker in Charlotte treatment where it's like, uh, just give Kemba the ball with two seconds left on the shot clock and he has to chuck it up. Like you mentioned, there's no score like They're going to throw it to Halliburton. And if, if that happens twice or three times a game, then 48 becomes 45. And that's where you lose a little bit of, of that value there. So. <clears throat> I don't need to lay out my case for taking Giannis at two. I've done that plenty of times, but I really just wanted to talk to you about that and get you to talk about why you're taking him that high. Again, I totally believe that Halliburton, if Halliburton slips to the second round in anyone's league, I think there's something has gone terribly wrong. I just wouldn't go this high for it. I'd probably go highest up to eight or nine, I think. Because um, I think he's in that mix with Lamelo and Trey and uh, Lillard and Steph. I can <laughs> see all those arguments. I don't think I would go this high, but that's totally fine. That's why we all have these different opinions. We have got Morgan, another another absolute uh, fantastic one coming up in a second. We'll get to that right uh, after this. As I tell you, the BetOnline is your number one spot for all your football information and betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. Tyrus Halliburton plays for the Indiana Pacers, and at the moment, the Indianapolis Colts are playing a game against the Denver Broncos, so we don't need to talk about that one. We can talk about some other Week 5 action where the Cincinnati Bengals are going into Baltimore as three and a half point underdogs. You can check that game out. The Chiefs, are seven point favorites against the Raiders. All of the odds, all of the totals, all of the spreads, all of that is up at BetOnline. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, the playoffs starting today, I think, boxing, MMA, and golf. So mm-hmm. head to the website, BetOnline, Online.net, or use your mobile device to learn more, BetOnline is where the game starts. Now, you were in a mock draft I did the other day, Zach, you were one of the drafters in there, and every pick you made was either a first, second, or third round player for about your first eight or nine picks, like you're going hard on youth Um I was going to say something hyper-offensive, but I, I won't say that there. You're going really big onto the young players because we know these guys have tons of growth in them. That's just what happens first year to second year, second year to third year. In general, though, rookies suck. That is a general rule. But you are so big on Keegan Murray that I you have taken him in the 50s. And your ranking list that you sent me had him pro- ranked higher than his teammate, De'Aaron Fox. So I'll pick 52. It's De'Aaron Fox. It's Keegan Murray. Do okay, I don't need you to lay out all of your argue, arguments for Keegan Murray here, but do you think that you have priced him out of any upside by looking at him in the fifties?
1: So for rankings, I think rankings and where you would select a guy in a draft are a little bit different. So yes, if I take him at fifty, which is where I, you know, I have him right now. Um, Yes, that, that does eliminate value, and I took him in an NBC draft earlier today with Alex McLean was on there, and he said the exact same thing that you're saying. He said, man, you've priced him out. There's no value. Where can you go from here? You're taking a guy to the ceiling, which I, I totally get that, right? So, But do I think that taking him at 50 is a bad move, not at all. I, you know, obviously you want to get value from somebody, but I'm not also not going to pass on somebody at 50, just because I can maybe squeeze a little bit more value out of somebody else. I'm going to take somebody that I think can reach that height. And for me, that's Keegan Murray, man. Um, I, I think coming out of college, uh, he profiled obviously as an elite scorer, uh, great defender. He's a guy that can do uh, a number of different things on the court. Um, As a power forward, he can shoot the three, which is excellent. Um, He can get you a steal a game. Uh, He can get you, uh, you know, one and a half threes a game. Uh, The guy can score with the best of them. He can get rebounds. And he's an efficient shooter. Now, obviously, you're right, rookies, they might have some efficiency problems. But from what we've seen from him so far, I don't necessarily think that's going to be a huge concern uh, right off the bat. Uh, so, for me, I also think Sacramento, too, put a lot of faith in him, right? So, they had Jaden Ivey sitting there at four, which, uh, you know, if you've watched the guy play, I mean, freak athlete, right? So, everybody thought, wow, Jaden Ivey's going to go number four. And if he didn't go number four, Sacramento had, you know, they could have gotten a treasure trove of assets to get Jaden Ivey <laughs> and trade back. But instead, Unless they're just doing the Kings thing, which is fucking everything up like they always do. They took the guy that they thought would give them the best chance to succeed. And that's going to be Keegan Murray. He fits in well with that team. There's going to be a ton of opportunity. And the forward depth is Keegan and Harry B. And that's about it. I mean, I like Terrence Davis and Trey Lyles is just a guy. So. I think he's going to have every opportunity to succeed and he can do everything on both ends of the court. Uh, I think that skill set is going to uh, just make him the most valuable rookie this year.
0: Yeah, I, I disagree. Like with a lot of that and that's absolutely fine. Um last season I don't think there was a top 50 rookie or yeah, Barnes might have been close to it but anyway, like that uh, irrespective of the pricing out of value with taking someone like that there. I just think that We saw him at Iowa where everything was tailored to him. We saw him in Summer League where he was the only player. Yeah, I, I he's, he's he at best he's the third offensive option in Sacramento. He might be the fourth. He started behind Kaziok Pala started. Over him. Now that's not going to be the case as we move forward. And I also don't think that his steal and block numbers, particularly his block numbers from college, are going to carry over. We've seen plenty of guys who get these big defensive stats in college who aren't necessarily thought of as guys who are going to necessarily do that in the NBA, like Zion Williamson and Brandon Clark, two that really stand out to me. But I don't know if those things come across. Yes, he will have some iffy nights. I think he's strong in the 80 to 90 range. i got no problem with taking him there. But I also understand that, to me, even taking him there, there's a risk associated with that. Because what if he shoots 41% or something from the field? Or he yeah gets 13 and 6 and with a steal and only gets half a block or something like that. Like We don't know how all this stuff's going to come out. And as you said, the Kings also thought that Marvin Bagley was the face of their franchise different general manager, same owner. So, and we know that, that owner has maybe a little bit of influence on a lot of stuff that happens. Oh, it's Monty's team. Yeah, sure. All right. Vivek still has his little finger in the pie there, just doing a couple little things. So I'm not ready to just say the Kings made a choice, therefore it's right. Um, I would take Fox every day. I just think the scoring, the assists, I think I'm, I'm really confident that Fox is going to score more points and get more assists than Murray. And I feel pretty confident he's going to have a better field goal percentage. And... You know, the other stuff you know, the threes, Murray probably hits more of those and free throws he's probably better there, but I'm just not willing to when there's a lot of proven guys who haven't changed situations, I'm not willing to go that high on on Keegan Murray. But Zach, you have your evaluation of guys and you stick to it and that's what it's all about. Like yeah you know, if you if you want a guy and you think a guy's going to be this good, we're going to be wrong on so many things like you're going to be wrong on things and I'm going to be wrong on plenty of things and that's just how stuff happens when we talk fantasy basketball we got another rookie that we're going to talk about here and I included this one because we're going to do pick 140 and at the end of the day, at that point of the draft, like, who gives a shit? Like, take a guy that you think's got upside. But I wanted to get your idea because I am, I don't know, I I, I look at someone like, this is Jalen Suggs versus Benedict Matherin. All right, Suggs is... Is he the same? No, he's not quite the same sort of player as, as Matherin, but he was a guard who sucked as a rookie last season. Offensively, defensively, he was really good. Matherin, it appears from what I've heard, he's having some troubles picking up some of the NBA concepts. It looks like he's going to come off the bench to start. And pure shooting guard rookies, they are often terrible because they don't really get assists or steals or rebounds. They shoot horrible Just look at Jalen Green and Anthony Edwards, two guys who were. Significantly, significantly better prospects than Matherin, who were probably top, barely top 200 guys for three or four months of the season. And I think Matherin, who's not going to be gifted 32, 33 minutes a night straight off. Um, I was a little bit more interested in him earlier on, but I'm just, everything that I'm hearing is just, I'm not loving it. And again, there's no issue. Take a flyer on whoever you want down here. But I just think someone like Suggs who struggled and Matherin might actually have a, a similar struggle in his rookie season. Suggs has got that year of experience. He's got the defensive ability. He's almost definitely going to start with two injuries in that back backcourt already. I'd just rather take it a little bit more certainty of upside versus... Mathurin, but can you like you've already given us the spiel on Halliburton in Indiana? Like, what's the what's the idea for Mathurin? Because I just think these empty shooting guards as rookies are pretty tough cells um, to provide value for the you know to at least like All Star break.
1: So, for Suggs, you're just going with the devil you know versus the devil you don't, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, well,
0: I I also think there's no way he's going to shoot 21% from three. Like, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen again. And I feel confident in his ability. (laughs) Yeah, that was bad. It's just not going to happen, right? Like, if it does, then he might as well retire tomorrow. Yeah. But I feel confident with his steals, with his assists, and his role, and... Second-year players, like, I'm not saying that these are the same guys, but, like, look at what Darius Garland did year two versus year one. Darius Garland was one of the worst players in the NBA. Darren Fox was one of the worst players in the NBA in year one. Um, And there's plenty of other examples of that. that These guys just figure shit out to a degree in year two, then it's even more so year three, even more so year four. So uh, I'd take that flyer on Suggs, whereas rookies come in and they could be running around like headless chooks for three months not knowing what they're doing and shooting 30% and averaging 10 points and just doing nothing for you.
1: No, I, I think those are all very fair points, man. Like you, you made a great case there. Um, for me, I was very excited about Suggs coming out of Gonzaga last year. Like it when I was when I was looking at the rookies, I thought, man, Toronto is batshit crazy for taking, you know, FSU Scotty Barnes over, you know, Jalen Suggs and uh, shit was I wrong. Right. So it, obviously that evaluation was incorrect. But I think when you saw Suggs last year, I mean, a rookie that averages 12, 4, and 4 and 1.2 steals, those just those counting stats alone, yeah, you there's room for encouragement. But as you mentioned, man, the percentages were just, I mean, they were dreadful. Like, obviously, they're going to come up. It was 36% from the field, 21% from three. Those will come up, obviously, but. We're, when we talked about Cade Cunningham struggling, he was at like 39% for two weeks and then a big improvement. This is Suggs in, what, 45, 46 games that he played last year and three turnovers a game for a guy that wasn't really a, a super high usage guy. So all of those things alone, that really concerns me. Um, obviously, as you mentioned, Foltz is hurt. He doesn't need to have surgery on his toe. Um, Cole Anthony broke out last season. They drafted Paolo Banquero, who is has been surprisingly good with the ball on his hands. He's able to, you know, run the offense. Uh, so I, I just don't see a scenario where Suggs is going to give me a ton of value beyond, you know, like a late-round steals guy, yep. um, which is who I was – you know, which is – we were talking about Matisse Tybel as that last year. So to me, Suggs is kind of in that same vein, whereas Matherin, you know – I don't think he's going to come off the bench all season. I'm not worried about Chris Duarte. He started out hot last year, uh, but Matherin is, uh, he was an amazing three point shooter in college. He does have uh, he does have the length and the skills to be a versatile defender in the NBA Um, and a three and D guy is always going to find his way onto the court, even if he does struggle a little bit to begin with. Uh, So I think before long, we're going to see him starting alongside Halliburton or, you know, even if he doesn't, he's going to play 20 something minutes off the bench behind Chris Duarte. Um, I mean, this is a team that when tanking last year, we had Terry Taylor as a waiver wire pickup. I mean, so like Indiana can give you viable fantasy players. And to me, Matherin is going to be one of those guys this year.
0: I think he will be at some point, maybe like February or March, but I'm also (laughs) like, I just, I I need to see him do something that's not scoring. And yeah, he was the number six pick this season, but I also, this draft was fairly weak. And like last year, he might've gone at, Ten or eleven, and Duarte went at thirteen, which was too high for Duarte. Let's, like, I didn't, mm-hmm. I, I don't like Duarte as a player, but I always end up with him in drafts because I just think he's got again second year guy, a little bit of a solid role. Um, but yeah, if you put them in the same draft class, okay, age is a huge difference. But like in terms of overall talent, look, they might have been actually in a similar draft area. So. That is going to be one for us to watch. Indiana is a very intriguing team. And then there's... It's like, how much do you... Just quickly, because we've got two more of this to go. How much do you care about all this? Oh, every team's going to be tanking for Wembanyama. so I'm not drafting anyone on the Spurs, the Pacers, the Thunder, the Magic, the Pistons, the Rockets, the Jazz. I'm never drafting anyone from those teams. Are you factoring that in?
1: I, I think if it comes down to a tiebreaker between taking a guy that is on one of those teams versus taking a guy that's not and... You know, the choice is razor thin, sure. But otherwise, no, I'm going to take the best available player or the best player that I have in my rankings or that fits best with my team build. Um, So, no, I'm not thinking about those kind of things because you can think a team is going to tank for, you know, Wembenyama. And they end up coming out and looking competitive or they care about – they actually value developing their young players. I mean, imagine something like that. Uh, I, so, no, it, it's not factoring into my decisions right now. Yeah, um, is that something you're taking a look at?
0: No, not really because, okay. again, like you know, the Cavs were tanking last year, <laughs> year apparently and the Blazers were pushing for the playoffs and then we saw that stuff reverse. The Pacers were thought to be pretty solid. <laughs> yeah. Like stuff – okay, the, the Thunder might be – but it's also if you – if you finish with the worst record you've got a 14% chance of getting Victor Wembanyama it's particularly high odds and mm-hmm. these teams will just be bad on the people just think that yeah once we hit january that everyone's going to stop playing and it just it just isn't going to happen yes in april it's going to be disgusting right the end of march it's going to be pretty yeah. bad and there'll be there's no incentive if a guy gets hurt to rush him back from injury there's no incentive for the good teams to rush players back from injury either because they should preserve them and get them ready for the playoffs so what do you do just avoid drafting anybody or pick only the players on teams who you think are going to be in the 7 to 9 range of the playoffs because they have to fight every game like it's it's not a great way of going about it and we just and it's just an extra variable where we don't know anything about it and things might change and yeah I I, I yeah I'm with you. All right, this next one. Pick 110. Gordon Hayward, the oft-injured old man. Gordon Haywood, and you've got Patrick Williams at 110. Now, Patrick Williams, these guys are both slated to be starters. They both are probably going to play 31, 32, 33 minutes. Um, one of them is good, and one of them is Patrick Williams. So let's tell tell me why you think Patrick Williams, who he did have Let's be, – I'll be fair. He had a couple of good games in the playoffs. He was good. But he's so uh, – and I think, I think the Bulls are fucking him up. I think they're messing with his head like they did with Wendell Carter, like they did with Nikola Mirotic, like they did with Larry Market and saying, yeah, just keep talking about him um, in in the media. Like, oh, he's got to learn to forget the bad performances. Why is he focusing on the bad performances? Which makes him focus more on them. He is so right. passive offensively. I'm not sure there's enough in the big defensive stats. I'm in on him as a last-round pick just to see. But even then, I, I'm not really convinced. Like, I just don't know if there is a good fantasy player in Patrick Williams uh, this season.
1: Yeah, so at this point, I am excited about Patrick Williams, um, just because what we saw from him at the end of last year, obviously we saw flashes in his rookie year. He spent most of last year injured. Uh, he came back final nine games of the season. He averaged 15 and five. He scored 20 in back-to-back playoff games. Uh, did. You know, when they lost to the Bucs. Uh, he looked very, I mean, he looked really good at the end of the year. So what, what can we get out of Patrick Williams? We're going to get high field goal percentage. Um, I do think he can take the next step forward as a scorer. Uh, I do think he can be a good rebounder. We did see some double-digit rebound games out of him last year. Um, and as you mentioned, he's, I mean, he's a great defender. He just hasn't racked up the defensive stats that we've been looking for quite yet. I do think that can change this year. Um, and I do think there's going to be some additional opportunities for him. Um, obviously, Lonzo Ball is not going to be out. Uh, how that directly impacts Patrick Williams is yet to be seen, but uh, can he have a little bit extra bump in usage because of that? Maybe so. Uh, can he be that next guy? Uh, you know, obviously, he's going to be the fourth scoring option. He's going to be behind Vooch, he's going to be behind Levine and behind DeRozan, but he's not a guy that needs to score a ton of points here. And he can give you 20 points on any given night, as we've seen. Um, my argument for him over Gordon Hayward is is the durability. I, I mean, you mentioned he's an old man. I have nothing, you know, nothing against drafting an old man team. I know I'm like the anti Dan Besbras here, but in this case, you know, after that gruesome knee injury in Boston, very, you know, opener season opener, um, you know, with his leg, uh, his last three seasons, well actually he came back the next year. I think he played 70, 71, 72 games, something like that. Um, and the last three seasons, it's been 52, 44, 49. He's now opening the season, dealing with an Um, He could be a top 75 guy. The numbers are there for him to do so. But am I really going to count on him being on the court? And can I even count on him playing 45 games this year? I don't think that's going to happen. 45? You don't
0: think he can get to 45? Um, ah. I, I think Gordon Haywood, like – can get to top 70 per game. I think Patrick Williams can get to top 120 per game. So that's, I would we'll just take that upside when we're talking round 10, round 11. Um, I just think Haywood's got way more in what he's able to do, especially with Miles Bridges not there. And even if he gets hurt at that point, I just think the upside value of taking someone there at, at that stage who might give me top 70 numbers, if somehow, as you said, he came off a severe injury and played a lot of games, right? If he gets me 65 games, I feel like I smashed that point. I, Best case scenario for Williams, he needs maybe two guys to get hurt on the Bulls. Maybe he needs Levine to miss time or Vooch to miss time. I, I don't know. Like I, I just don't I, I don't see the upside in him. I, maybe it comes. It is year three and we see players take steps forward there. But maybe it comes. Maybe it doesn't. Last one is, I really want to get your opinions because I've seen this guy ranked high in places. Not, not with me because I, I don't think he's very good. We're at pick 100. We've got two centers. It's Clinker Pallor and Mo Bamba. Now, Capella played fewer minutes than Onyeka would today. I think that's all oh, of that's preseason. And Capella is going to start. But Kongwe will eat in a little bit. I don't think Mo Bamba is a very good basketball player. I don't think Mo Bamba is going to play those power forward minutes that he did last season. I think he's going to strictly be a backup to Wendell Carter Jr. Maybe he plays one or two minutes there. I I don't see... It. What's the justification for taking him this early? What, what role do you think he's going to play that pushes him into this area?
1: Yeah, so I understand the concern about him. Obviously, last year it was him and, you know, Wendell Carter Jr., they played in tandem for most of the season. Um, with Paolo Bancaro there, uh, obviously, Bomba. Oh, excuse me, man. It's all right, mate. We,
0: we, all, we all lose our voice at times. Excuse me, man.
1: Anyway, uh, with Bancaro there, I really don't think, um, as you mentioned, Bamba is going to – he's not going to start. He's going to come off the bench. But he played 26 minutes per game last year, 16 the year before that. He's not going to get back up to 26 minutes this year. No, there's no way. We can split – no, no way. We can split the difference at 21 or 22 minutes because I think it's reasonable to think that he can get that, especially after signing a new two-year deal. And he doesn't need – uh, he doesn't need to be on the court for 25 minutes to return top 100 value. Uh, obviously, he can get you blocks. He can get you threes. Uh, he can get you enough rebounds, field goal percentage uh, to be that top 100 guy. Um, so that's why I'm looking at him here. And Capella, I'm scared shitless of Okongwu coming in and taking all that. those minutes from him because, yeah. I mean, to end the season last year, he was – It was a near even split. I think they were each playing around 25 minutes a game or, you know, there's some variance of that. Um, So Cabello last year, it was his worst fantasy finish in, I think since his rookie season, if I'm remembering correctly. So I think it's a downward trend for him. And uh, Bamba is a guy that I just like, you know, for the additional skills that he brings as far as the threes. Um, And he's not a bad free throw shooter either, Mo Bamba isn't. Uh, especially for a big man. So uh, I think if your team build allows it, Bamba's the guy for me.
0: I just don't think he's good. And I think with the addition of Bunkero, the alleged return of Jonathan Isaac, I'm not really counting on that one though, but the the fact that there isn't those minutes available, I, I don't think that he is good enough to even play. Like, I don't think you ever want to take Wendell Carter off the floor to get Bumber on there. I think his defense at center sucks. Yeah. He does block shots and that's really useful for fantasy. He does hit threes, but yeah, um, uh, Mosley, yeah, yeah, Mosley the coach. He's not. He's not playing fantasy. He doesn't care if Bumba block shots if he just lets everyone else waltz past him most of that time. And you got to find minutes or ways to get a, a KK onto the court as well. Uh, Isaac, there, if he actually plays, which I don't think he does at the, any point soon, but if he does, that further complicates things because that means there's basically zero power forward minutes available. So it just has to all be all be um, Bumber and Capella, uh, and Carter. And you're worried about Capella and Okongwu coming for his minutes. That's true, right? But where does, like, Bumba's in the position where you fear that Capella might end up at some point. Like, he's he's in that spot. He is in the, the limited minutes role with someone better, clearly ahead of him. Whereas Capella's in the starting right? He's He's in that box seat at the moment. And maybe he does lose minutes as the season goes on. But he's in that seat at the moment, whereas Bumba, I find it very hard to see how he pushes into that, pushes into that role later on but again as uh, for some reason everything has frozen up on my screen and I will hope that I can get that back going. I don't know it's just me that's frozen looking absolutely ridiculous. Zach I'm going to pause this and then we'll come back and end this up because I don't like how my face looks. All right so I am unfrozen as you can see and I'll come here to tell you that, that we're done. Thank you Zach for coming on and discussing your thoughts on players. Again it no one knows how this stuff's going to work out. We can have our reasoning for things and it puts players in different positions and we will go into drafts with different ideas and Zach's got some different ideas and we wanted to get them out there and throw them around and get him a chance to discuss his thoughts and I thought it was great. Zach, thank you for coming And Tell us what you've got coming up at the moment and uh, and where people can find you.
1: Yeah, appreciate you having me, man. It's always a pleasure. Uh, Glad I got to come back on. Um, Working at NBC uh, Sports Edge, as you know, Um, I do have the Halliburton Manifesto out. Uh, We have our draft guide out. Uh, And this season I will be um, running a weekly article called Zach's Facts. It's going to be a deep dive into notable statistics for the Fantasy Basketball Week, uh, along with some actionable advice. So uh, make sure to check that out.
0: Go and check out Zach's social media and all the stuff he does at World, NBC Sports. Ed, Zach, thanks for coming back on the show.
1: Appreciate it, man. Thank you.
0: And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you're on YouTube, you thumb it up. You leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.